I, I love the idea, the fact that Christmas is just so exciting. You know, I have three little kids, so it's like super exciting for them. And I just think back to when I was a kid, just how exciting Christmas was, how much wonder there was. And the thing of it is, I think as we get older, and some of you guys are still young, but I think you're probably, most of the people in the room are already starting to sense it a little bit. As you get older, some of the wonder starts to kind of fall away. You know, we start to kind of lose some of that excitement and that passion and that wow and that awe and just that wonder that we had when we were little kids. I mean, isn't that true of you? Isn't it sometimes you just feel a little bit more cynical? You feel a little bit less excited, um, a little more stressed, right? I was just talking with a guy yesterday who's, who's in, you know, like in his 30s, my age, and, and he said, you know, man, I, I just, I wish I were a kid again because Christmas was so much better when we were kids. There's so much stress now, and there's just so much going on that I don't enjoy it like I used to. And I think that's true. I mean, I think back to my childhood and the way that I lived my life with my family and friends and stuff and my church, and it was just so full of wonder. It was so exciting. I mean, I'll never forget the first time you see the, direct, the decorations start to go up in the stores, just getting pumped, you know, and that's getting earlier and earlier, which I'm fine with. That's a, that's a great thing. Good tradition. Make it, you know, let's go July, you know, I'm fine with that. But I love that. I love starting to see that as a kid and you get pumped and the next thing you know, it was like Thanksgiving. And so in my house, the next day, on the day after Thanksgiving, we would decorate the house and we would decorate the inside. And that was like everybody, all hands on deck. And then the outside was for the men, man. The men went outside and it was freezing out there. And we walked out there with all the different lights and stuff. And I just remember the excitement of that. I remember the first hour of that, trying to untangle the mess from last year. And then I was the bulb tester. I was the bulb tester, man. So if there were bulbs that were out, I got to go over there and try and figure out what was going on with them. And it's not like today, man. Today, it's so wimpy. Like people just, they they plug their lights in. If they don't work, you just throw them out, man. That was unheard of back in the day. You never gave up on a light strand, right? And you didn't have one of these things. These things actually are quite amazing. I will say, I praise Jesus for this thing. It's called the Light Keeper Pro. And after the service this morning, everyone was like, how does that work? And what does it do? Um, It it basically, like actually this tree over here was half out. You know that when you set them up and they're half out and you're like, oh, we got to throw the tree out. Now you plug this thing in and you just click it a few times and it saved the tree. It's incredible. But they didn't have this when I was a kid, okay? They hardly had uh, running water when I was a child. But uh, no, they, they didn't have stuff like that. And so you didn't give up, man. Me and dad, we went out there and we fought our way through those Christmas lights and we, we did whatever it took, man. There was electrical tape, solder, duct tape, peanut butter, chewing gum. It didn't matter what it took. We were going to get those Christmas lights working. And so we would do that and then we'd come back inside and then you start, over the next few weeks, you, you start to see packages arrive. You start to see your parents come home with bigger bags, and they usually did full of different stuff. And then my parents trusted me, and so they put the Christmas gifts under the tree, like a little bit early, and I never violated that to this day, I promise. I never cheated. I never knew it was coming. I just, my eyes would get bigger and bigger. I think the reason I never looked because, uh, you know, like opened them at night and rewrapped them was because I loved the wonder. I loved the excitement of it. I wanted the anticipation. I wanted that buildup and just that incredible fun. Um, Then eventually, you know, time would roll on, man. School would end. That was like huge, right? I remember just like Christmas break, like getting on the bus was like the best day of your life, you know, and you're you're driving home and it was just so exciting, right? And then I remember Christmas Eve, we used to have this tradition. My mom would make some kind of a meal and she made this certain soup every Christmas Eve. It was this broccoli soup. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing wonderful about broccoli when you're a child. It's a vile weed at that point in your life, you know? And so no no one really enjoyed it, but she would make that every year along with some other great food. 
And then we would go to church, and my, my church had this big Christmas Eve service, and, and it just felt magical, man. There was so much wonder in the air, and so you'd be in there, and they, the pastors would read some, some of the passages of Scripture, and then at the end of the night, they would hand out candles to everybody, and they'd turn all the lights off in the building, and the whole place was just lit up with candles. And as a little pyro, of course, I love that, but the whole place was lit up with these candles, and then my mom would lead the whole church in singing, Oh, Holy Night. And man, there was just, again, it was just wonder and, and just awe and just excitement. Then we would go home and we would open up some stocking presents and, and it was usually like candy and some little toys and stuff like that. And, and then you had to go to sleep. Remember trying to go to sleep when you were a little kid on Christmas Eve? Like the worst night ever, right? You were like, give me Benadryl. I just want to get me through it, right? I just want to wake up, right? And so you'd get through that night. I remember waking up. You'd wake up super early and, you know, I'd drag dad out of bed and we'd go and we'd open some gifts. And then we'd go over to my grandparents' house and we'd hang out there with uncles and aunts and cousins. And, and I would be just walking in and there's just piles of, of presents. You're trying to figure out which ones are for you. And I remember, you know, just wanting so badly to open up the gifts. And of course, the, the adults just wanted to eat and have coffee and quiche. I'm like, what's quiche? You know, and, and it's just like, let's get going, you know. And so we finally, we get to open. My, my family did this the worst ever. They, they were a pretty large extended family gathered. And, and we, we had to open presents one person at a time. Like one person. It wasn't just like free for all. It wasn't even just like everybody opened one gift at one time. No, it was like me. Then my sister, then my great-grandma who could hardly see, you know, I mean, just like went on and on. And so many of them were really frugal. And so they had actually opened the gifts in such a way that they could use the wrapping paper again next year. And so that was so slow, you know, it was terrible. But there was this incredible anticipation and wonder and excitement. And after we opened presents, more family would come over. And then me and my great-grandfather who died when he's like 129 or something like that, we would do magic show for the whole family and the whole crew there. It was terrible, but everyone pretended they loved it. And it was just so much fun and so much wonder and so much excitement. And as we get older, isn't it true that although many of the things I just mentioned had to do with gifts and family and fun and stuff like that, isn't it true that, that the wonder starts to wear off, not just for those things, but even in our relationship with God? Like even in just the excitement of the season when our Savior came. Just some of that awe. Some of that wonder wears off. And, and it wears off for a lot of reasons. Some of it is because we do get so stressed, right? We're driving in Christmas traffic, man. Nothing worse. I live past the mall, like the worst thing in the whole world. They went down the one lane over there. I don't know whose genius plan that was around Christmas time to take middle country down to one lane, but that's what's happened over there. And so we're doing that and we're shopping and we're trying to find the right toy and it's the wrong toy. And we go back and, and we're stressed and people are angry and people just want to get out of the stores and there's so much distress and then there's work and there's overload and oh my gosh, we're going to take a little vacation time. So do everything now. And there's just all that stress, right? And there's just the hardship. You know, for some of us, we've lost somebody this year, right? Some of us are going to be sitting at the Christmas table and there's going to be a chair that used to have somebody else in it and they're just not going to be there. That's hard. That's not easy. And we lose some of the wonder. And I think we start to ask questions like this, God, why this? Why that? And those are okay questions to ask. We're allowed to ask God those questions. But I think as we do, sometimes... Just the cynicism and the coldness of our heart gets bigger. Some of us maybe didn't lose someone, but you just thought you'd be in a different place in your life by now. You know, your New Year's resolution was to have a new job or have a better paying salary or to be married or to have a girlfriend at least or to have, you know, you know to be, be pregnant and have, be on your way to parenthood and, and just all these different things. And then we, here we are again and we're only a couple weeks away from another year. 
And it's like, man, I didn't get where I thought I'd get. And we lose the wonder and the cynicism grows and some of the jadedness grows and we walk around more and more joyless and more and more cranky and who wants to be around us then? And so how do we get our wonder back? Because I don't think anybody after Thanksgiving said, you know what? My plan this December is just to be as miserable and cranky as I possibly could be. I just want to be a mess, man. I want no one to want to be around me. I want my heart to be hard. I don't want to feel a thing. I think we all want to feel that wonder again, that excitement, that passion. And when we get the wonder of what Jesus has done for us back in our heart, it breathes life into the fun and into the family and into the other things as well. But I can promise you, the reason that we stay jaded and we stay cold and we stay wonderless is because more and more you and I have just simply lost the wonder of what God has done for us. So what I want to do tonight is I want us to look at just a few verses and I want to talk with you just for a few minutes about what it would be like to get the wonder back. How do we get it back? What do we zoom in on? What do we stare at? What do we focus on to get the wonder back in our lives so we can go through this season with joy and with some patience for those in our family and with some excitement for Christmas and beyond and what God could do in our lives. You know what? Our situations might not change. They may. God does that. But sometimes he doesn't do it as quickly as we want, right? So maybe our situations will change. Maybe your 2015 will be the year for you. And great, I pray it is. But even if not, is there something you and I can zoom in on for this season and beyond to give us this wonder that's so hard to find? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you get this, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're right there in the same category as the rest of us. It's easy to lose the wonder. It's easy to lose the excitement, even if you don't believe in God. And so maybe today what I have to tell, tell you and, and talk with you about will bring some encouragement and help us zoom back, zoom back in on what it is God wants to do in our lives. So how do we get that wonder back? So we're going to look at some guys in the Bible that experience Christmas like you and I just never will. They experience something so awesome and so cool. I wish we could all do it. I, I wish we could, I mean, even to reproduce it or try to fake it just wouldn't work. And so they experience something so, so awesome. And, and though you and I can't experience what they experienced, here's what we can do. We can zoom in on the same thing that they zoomed in on. We can experience the same thing they experienced. Even though not in the same way, we can grab a hold of this ingredient and we can find our wonder just like they did. And so we're going to look at some people that maybe you haven't thought too much about. I know I really hadn't before looking into this for this message. So we're going to look in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to talk about some people who really got some amazing wonder. And I think we can get some too as we learn from them. So Luke 2 verse 8 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I'll talk with you about the shepherds today. It's probably something you haven't heard too many messages on. You probably haven't read too many books on the shepherds, right? A real exciting topic, right? But the shepherds actually are really interesting. You know why? Because you and I, we think about the shepherds, and, and I don't know about you, we have a little manger set up under our tree. My kids love it. They broke one of the things here. Sure, that's okay. This is one less shepherd. <laughs> and so we have the shepherds under the tree there, and um, they love to go over and look at them and play with them. And I don't know if you ever looked at the shepherds, but they look pretty nice. Look like nice guys. Look trustworthy. Look all right. Look like you'd hang with them if you were back there in, in the first century, right? And uh, so there they are in the manger and just doing their thing and sitting by Jesus and looked all, all respectable like. But you know what's incredible? As I started to study shepherds, and the reason this is so important is because we got to get in the mindset of a first century shepherd, is that 
we always talk about the tax collectors. You know, like if, if you bring up the, the name tax collectors in, in the Bible, it's, it was always derogatory. It was always a bad thing. They had a bad reputation. They were untrustworthy. They were, seemed to be just that bottom rung, that, that bottom of the barrel mess, right? Did you know shepherds actually were the same thing? The shepherds had the exact same reputation as the tax collectors, that they couldn't be trusted, that they were liars, that they were criminals, that they were thieves. There's a couple things you guys can read along here with me on the screen. Rabbinic sources tell us that most of the time, they, the shepherds, were dishonest and thieving. They led their herds onto other people's land and pilfered the produce of the land. So they took their sheep onto lands they weren't supposed to, and they said, hey, go ahead and eat, you know. Um, Another, this is very interesting to me, a passage from Jewish writing says this, no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. I, I just think that's an interesting category to have in life. You know, like to start to view your friends that way, you know. Him, yeah, if he fell in a pit, I'd get him out. Her, not so much, right? Like, that's such a strange category. I'm sorry. I I just never thought about that one before, but I I enjoyed it. Um, These first century shepherds not only would take their sheep onto other people's property and have them eat, but they would also often steal the produce from the the, the sheep. They would, you know, take the wool, or they would take the milk, or sometimes they would even take the baby sheep. And so these shepherds were really seen as low. They weren't allowed to testify in court because nobody would trust them. If somebody, a shepherd tried to sell, sell you any kind of milk or wool or anything like that, people ran because they knew shepherds couldn't be trusted. Randy Alcorn says this, religious leaders officially labeled shepherds sinners, a technical term for a class of despised people. And so the, even the religious leaders, the guys who are supposed to help you like, get closer to God said, no, 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 don't trust those shepherds. Those guys are shifty. Those guys, watch out for them. And that's who you have under your tree. Watch your presence. I'm telling you right now, right? And so here we are, first century shepherds. That's the mindset of a first century shepherd. That's what he knew he was. He knew he was hated. He knew he was not trusted. He knew he couldn't in any way testify in any way that mattered. Nobody would believe him. He knew that everyone always had their eye on him. He knew that nobody would ever give him a chance beyond what he was. Bottom of the barrel. Shepherd for life, off by themselves. Sometimes them and the sheep, sometimes a shepherd or two or three with some sheep. Lonely, boring, mundane, bottom of the barrel life, a wonderless life, right? And so here these shepherds are out there. Imagine their surprise when they hear this. Verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So here are these shepherds. And they're out there in the field. And they're all just thinking, man, I should have gone to medical school, right? (laughs) They're They're out there. They know they are living a life that they will never, ever joy. They know no one will ever give them a shot. They know they'll never be trusted with important information. And yet here before them appears an angel that comes to these men, the least likely of men, the people who shouldn't have heard this message first, right? And he tells them this amazing truth. He tells them the Messiah has come. He tells them the Savior has come and that they can go and find this Savior, They can go and find this Messiah. 
And it goes on in verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so here are all just all these angels. I mean, imagine this experience. Here are these bored shepherds thinking they're never going to see anything cool in their life. And the sky is full of angels singing this amazing praise to God about this message that they just heard. And I just think about this. It's interesting like how the one came first and then the rest came. I wonder why that happened. And I, I really think it's because if they had all just shown up, the shepherds would have just dropped dead. Here's the message and then the guys would have just fallen dead and then they would have been like, so do we go find someone else and just try again? Like, maybe just one of us start, and the other one's like, yeah, I told you that's what we should do, and we killed them, you know? But no, 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 see, instead, just the one comes, and then when they say, all right, calm down, peace, it's okay. We have a good message for you. A Savior is born. The rest come, and they glorify God. I tell you, these guys must have had such wonder. Verse 15, when the angels had left, them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they can't believe this. They can't believe they've heard what they have heard. And now they're off to, tell, to, to go find out and investigate if this is true. The angel said they'd find a baby laying in a manger. And I know we all think, well, we all, that's, that must have been a common practice, right? No, a manger was a feeding trough, right? We've talked about this before. And so to go off and find a baby that a bunch of angels told you would be in a feeding trough in the middle of nowhere meant if you found a baby in a feeding trough, you found the right baby. You found the one they came to tell you about. And so the shepherds went off and found the baby. And in verse 16, it says this, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. So here these guys are. They're now filled with wonder and amazement. They're in awe, not just at the message, but at the fact that they got to hear the message. That these untrustworthy guys, these bottom-of-the-barrel guys, got to hear these words spoken to them, that they got to go find Jesus. They got to be at the first showing of the Savior. Must have just been completely unbelievable to them. And I don't know the rest of their story. I know this. I know that scripture shows us they were filled with wonder and amazement here. And so my guess would be that for the rest of their lives, these lowly shepherds must have been filled with wonder. They must have continued to think back to that night, think back to that time, think back to what they had seen. I have to believe that when they all got back after seeing Jesus, that they sat around and they probably first said, you saw all that too, right? (laughs) But secondly, they probably said, it's pretty crazy. You know what question I think they asked? Why us? Why us? Untrustworthy, bottom of the barrel. Sinners. Why us? Why would that message come to us first? Why not the noble? Why not the royal? Why not the religious? Why not the good? Everybody knows who we are. Everybody knows we're a mess. Everybody knows we're broken. No one trusts us. Why us? And maybe the point of it all was that they were bottom of the barrel, that they were the broken, that they were those 
that couldn't do anything for themselves. Because that's exactly who Jesus came to rescue and save. Bottom of the barrel, broken, sinful, untrustworthy, wonderless people like me and like you. We're the shepherds. We're the ones out there who don't deserve anything from our God. And yet this great message has come. This great thing has happened, has taken place for you and I. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we don't talk about being good people here. We talk about something that's been done. We don't talk about being religious. We talk about an event. And the event is the Savior coming and invading our lives and rescuing us from sin and death and putting himself on a cross eventually and rising back from the dead. It's not advice I'm giving you tonight. It's news that someone has come for you and I, us broken people. And what I think the shepherds spent the rest of their life doing was I think they spent the rest of their lives zooming in on grace. I mean, there they were in the middle of nowhere. Didn't deserve to be the first to hear or the first to see. And yet in their lives, they experienced unbelievable, undeniable grace. Grace is when somebody does something for you you don't deserve. Grace is when God, who's perfect, looks at you and I or them, sinners, and says, you know what, that sin isn't going to separate me from you. I'm doing something about it. I'm sending a Messiah, a Savior, to come and to rescue you. And I have to believe that though the shepherds' lives probably didn't change in that, they probably stayed shepherds, it's my guess. They probably went back out, kept watching the sheep, it probably stayed in everyone's view and opinion as untrustworthy. My guess is the rest of their lives, they were zoomed in on grace. And though they probably had their days there out there in the field going, I can't believe we're still doing this. I can't believe we're still doing this. They stayed, I'm sure, they had to have stayed zoomed in on the grace they'd been shown. One of the amazing things about this story is that the very sheep that the shepherds were watching could have been it's possible that they were actually the sheep being kept to be taken to the temple to be killed and sacrificed to cover the sins of the people. Remember, we looked at that a little bit together last week. And it could be that these shepherds were out there watching these sheep that eventually would end up at the temple being slaughtered to cover the sins of the people. And here are these, maybe these same shepherds hearing this message that the final sacrifice has come that Jesus would come and die. And like we, we looked at last week, not just to cover up our sin, but to remove it from our lives. And so these shepherds have experienced incredible, incredible grace. And you know what I think? I think that you and I, if we were to zoom in on what I believe they must have spent the rest of their lives zooming in on, that the wonder would return in our lives. They certainly zoomed in on grace during this whole period as over and over again it says in here they were amazed and people were amazed and everything that people heard and saw, like they were amazed at what the shepherds had to say. And so there was this time of wonder and awe and amazement. And I'm telling you, I think the answer for you and I is zooming in on this grace because wonder returns when you and I zoom in on grace. When we look past all the other things and we focus on the grace that Jesus has for you and I that wonder returns. Our, our heart starts to beat a little quicker, doesn't it? Our joy starts to find some legs again, doesn't it? Can stand up in our lives. Our, our hope begins to come back. 
Wonder comes back when you and I zoom in on grace. Wonder returns when that's what we do. And so what I want you to do in this season is I want you to zoom in on that no matter what. Life's great for you, awesome. Don't get lost in the gifts and the presents. That's all good stuff. Enjoy it. Don't get lost in your family and in vacation time and days off. And That's great. But through it all, would you zoom in on the grace of your Savior coming for you? And you know what? If you are broken right now, if you lost someone you love, if it's not like it used to be, if there's going to be people missing around your Christmas table this year, if, if you're not where you thought you'd be, if this last year was a train wreck for you, if that depression is back because it's Christmas time, and you don't know why, but it just happens every December, zoom in on grace. Look past all that. Bring it to God. I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying, you know, keep it hidden in your heart. No, bring all that to God. God, I'm depressed, man. It's back again. My December thing's back again. God, I miss my mom. I miss so-and-so. Bring it to you. Heal me, God. I'm not just trying to stifle this. God, I, I really had a horrible year, man. I just, I messed up at a catastrophic level. God, here it is. But now, God, I'm gonna zoom in on grace. I'm gonna give it my full attention when I'm tempted to begin to zoom in on all those other things, those distractions, good or bad, I'm going to look back to the grace of Jesus and the way that I've been treated in a way that I don't ever deserve. This past week, my, my six-year-old Landon had some reading homework. And he said, Dad, can you read with me? I said, sure, man. So we, we sat down and, and had pictures. I like books with pictures in them. And uh, so on the one page, there was some words that he read. On the other page, there was a picture of what he was going to read. And, and if you asked me, after my first glance at this page, what the picture was, I would say it was a pond and a little boy playing next to it. So Lana reads the first line, there's a pond, and then reads the second line, there's a little boy playing next to it. And then he reads in the third line, and it says, and there was a frog jumping on a lily pad. And I'm like, what? I look back at the picture, and sure enough, there he was, you know? And, and then he goes to the next line, and it says, and there was a dog playing off in the corner, and sure enough, I, I had missed the dog. I'm like, okay, wow, let me get my eyes checked, you know? And then he went to the fifth line, and he says, and, and his mom was coming out of the house calling him for dinner. I'm like, I missed a house and a mom here, you know? Like, this is ridiculous. And you know what? Every single time I was reminded, or it was brought to my attention, what Landon would read was in that picture, I would see it. I was zoomed back in on that little thing there, that little detail I had missed. And you know what? I think that maybe as I've reminded you tonight about the grace of God, everybody knew about the grace of God. Even if you're in a follower of Jesus, you walked in tonight knowing that there is this thing called the grace of God. But maybe as I've reminded you, it'll enable you to zoom back in. See, in that book, all those things had been there all along. I just wasn't focused on them. And so in this season... The grace of God's been there. But maybe you just haven't been focused on it. Maybe you've forgotten about it. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you've never known it. But in this season, you and I make the choice. Every moment, what we're going to focus on, what we're going to zoom in on. And we can make it all about stuff and stress and presence and family. We can make it all about who we miss and where we're not. Or we can make it all about grace. And we can zoom in on what our Savior has done for us. I'm telling you, wonder returns when we zoom in on grace. And so you have that choice. When you're tempted to zoom in on the person you miss or the catastrophic decision you made this year or what your checkbook may say or 
what's to come next year? Those fears start to creep in and those expectations start to creep in. Say, zoom in on grace through it all. Present those things to God. Those things you need to present, bring them to him. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to bring him those things. But at the end of the day, it's got to come back to zooming in on the amazing grace of Jesus. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, I think you've got to make a choice. I think we decide what we zoom in on. We decide and we choose. And I would encourage you tonight to choose grace as your focus because that's when joy comes back. And I promise you, every single year that you and I focus on those things in our lives that are broken, we're going to become a little more cynical, a little less wonder in our lives, a little less hope and joy. But let's learn from these shepherds. Let's learn as even if they didn't spend the rest of their lives in awe, they spent a section of their lives in awe. And it all was about grace because they didn't deserve a thing from God. And neither do you and I. So here's what I want you to do. Instead of asking, why this, God? Why that? Ask, why me? God, why me? Not why this, God? Why why this have to happen? I mean, you can ask God that, sure. And and you can bring it to him in prayer. But ultimately, get to, God, why me? Because I think that's the question the shepherds had to ask. God, why us? Why me? Why would you show me this grace? Theologians have argued about this for years. Why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? Why were they the ones to hear? I think mainly it's because Jesus was coming for people just like them, just like us. And so, yeah, you can ask God why this or why that, but you got to move past that to why me. When's the last time you asked that question? I don't think we ask it enough. I don't think we, we look to God and say, God, why me? Why would you allow me to know you? Why would you have allowed me to experience your kindness? Yeah, man, I got heartaches and, and I miss people and there's things I wish went different. But ultimately, God, why did you open my eyes? Why have you let me see you so clearly? Why have you let me experience you? Why have you blessed my life so much? The other day I was in my daughter's room as she was I was trying to help, you know, just sit, sit with her as she's falling asleep. And, and I'm just waiting there patiently. And she doesn't like to go to sleep alone. So I'm just sitting there. And, and I, just, I just had a thought that I needed to just take out my phone and just write as many blessings in my life as I could. And I just started writing and writing and writing. And man, I just, I, I had like this full note on my phone of all the things I'm just grateful for. And it was big things and it was little things. It was a warm house and it was a great family and it was Jesus and it was fun and laughter and a, a good joke and, and food and Dr. Pepper. I mean, I was just, whatever I had, man, I was laying it out there. But man, all of that comes back to grace. Every good thing, every blessing in our lives. And you know what? After I finished it, I looked at it. I said, I could keep this note or I could delete it. And that would drive me to do it again. And so I deleted it because I want there to be a practice in my life that I look back more and more at the blessings God's given me. My why me list. And I tell you what, even if you can't fill it, there's certainly one thing you can place on it, and that's Jesus coming for you. Why me? If we had no other good thing in life, we have the most important thing in life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus tonight, Zoom in on grace and watch that wonder return. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to give you an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus if you would like to. 
And so in just a second, as the band comes back, I'm going to pray. And first, I'm going to pray for the Christians in the room. And then I'm just going to say, if you want to pray, put your trust in Jesus, then you can do that just between you and God. But through this season, make the choice. Because wonder returns when we zoom in on grace. Let's pray. God, we look to you tonight, God, needing some help. Certainly having some heartache, certainly having loss in every one of our lives or disappointments in all of our lives, God. There's things we wish were different. There's people we miss. There's situations out of our control. And God, there's great things too. Sometimes those great things distract us from the most important thing. And so God, whether we have a list of good things tonight or a list of hard things on our mind, we, we just ask for the strength to be able to zoom in on past all that and look at grace the grace of Jesus, what we don't deserve that's been done for us, the forgiveness you've given so freely. And so we thank you, God. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you bring, God, those things right now that you tend to look at instead of his grace? Would you lay them at his feet? I'll tell you what, he's gonna do a lot more with them than you will. And so if it's hurt, if it's loss, if it's, disappointment, if it's a failure this past year, if it's broken expectations and hopes and dreams, or if it's just the good stuff that just gets you distracted and and keeps you from focusing on him, bring it to him now and ask him for help to focus on the grace that he alone gives. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you would like to put your trust in this Savior that came for you, then you can pray silently something like this. Jesus, thank you for coming to die for me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you for the hope that you give me now. I thank you for this gift of salvation. That you came for me, a broken, bottom of the barrel person. who couldn't help themselves, but needed a savior. I put my trust in you and I thank you for this amazing gift you're giving. Help me to see how real you are, God. And I thank you for this relationship I now have with you. Amen.